everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer. And with me, of course, is Matthew Patrick. Dennis Matthew Patrick. Thanks a lot. The great Dennis. No one, no one Dennis knew my Matthew. first name until now. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us or at least listen to us today, uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or podcasting from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all wherever podcasts get distributed these days. Um, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to listen to us. Our hope for today, as always, is just to give you guys some nuggets of, uh, of thought to think on a little bit, hopefully to spur you on to get one step better, which is always our goal here at Patrick Accounting and Works. And so, again, appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. We really appreciate it. Um, Matthew, Dennis Matthew, today, question of the that. week. Would you rather be hot or cold? I think I'd rather be cold. Why? Um, I like forever cold. I always feel like I can get warm when you're hot. You can never like. It's not easy to cool off. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Kind of interesting we question. Came, like a couple of weeks ago, we had you know a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah, I just stayed inside, it and was it was easy. super cold. And like we're in winter time, and so because of that, I'm ready for the cold to go away. That makes sense. I think I would say I'd rather want to be hot right now. Summertime. Let's have this conversation in July. Let's have this conversation in July. It'll definitely turn to to being cold. I I think that makes sense because you know when you're cold, you could always maybe put on some layers. I I feel like I can get warm. I can't always get cool. Yeah. Part of that's your hot flashes though. Getting old, you know, menopause. Yeah. Yeah, all those things. The uh, I see the hot doesn't really bother me though. Unless it's like baking in the desert where there's like the sun nope. is beating down on you and you don't have any shade or anything. I've never had that feeling. I don't know that one. But I lived in Texas for yeah, six years, which is practically the same thing. Yeah. Hell, it, Texas. It's as desert, close as you can get. Yeah. I mean, we had, it was a hundred plus degrees for, you know, 120 days of the year or something <sighs> like that. That's why you moved away from nuts. Texas. It was nuts. I mean, it was, you couldn't, I remember once took the kids to the playground and there's signs on all of the slides. <laughs> Don't touch the fruit. That's say, hey, you can't play on this because you will burn. You'll get third degree burns if you go down this slide. So they thought about that before they, they put, the, they, they thought about it so much they put a sign up. Yeah, I would think new, that instead they would like put a tent up or some a, kind of awning. Kind of, you got a toy. Yeah. Hey, don't write on this because it's metal. Those remember metal those slides, metal slides? Those are the worst. Especially the summertime, they would get yeah. a million degrees. Yeah, I grew up in South Florida. So our, it was always, we always had the three o'clock rain till 3.30 and then everything got really hot and humid. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I like I like the idea. Of I can get warm. Yeah, I think I can get warm now. Windy and cold, and you can't find warm. That sucks. That's pretty terrible. Yeah, but yeah, I think it'd be especially cold and rainy. Cold and rainy is bad. It's not fun. Nope, that's not fun either. But yeah, I'm I'm okay. But I think to be fair to the argument, if you're talking about you know 110 degrees in the desert, no shade, you also have to talk about the cold being you just fell into the river. Uh, in Minnesota in the middle of the winter you and get warm. you're not going to get warm. So either you're just about dead. Both suck. Yeah. I'd say it. Who comes up with these questions? Can't we just have a middle Thanks ground a lot, option? Becky. Thanks a lot, Becky. I want to sit in my I just want to be warm. I want to be in San Diego, 72 and sunny every day. Yeah. That's, I, I'm going to write in my vote. San Diego. <laughs> I would rather be in really nice weather. Yeah, really nice weather. <laughs> Neither hot nor it's cold. It's perfectly comfortable in the studio today. It's about 72 and... Yeah, it's not clear, raining. Clear skies, here. no raining. We don't have any no, no water damage pipes. in this room. Absolutely. Well, that's fun. 
Yeah. Um, you know, last last week I had a really cool intro to take that question and turn it into uh, what we were talking about today. Um, I got no idea how to do that today, so yeah. we're just going to jump straight <laughs> into it. Okay. Um, today's topic, um, we're going to talk about taking the good from the bad. And there you go. You could have done it. Easy. How? When it's cold, intro. you can make yourself warmer. So you took the good from the bad. You know, hey, I, I got through that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some credit for that. It's I don't not know great. if it's That's 100% not great. credit. You know, That's why you're the host, Mike. B. That's why you're the host. Um, but taking the good from the bad, the, the idea here is, you know, um, every, everybody, every business is going to go through some bad times, whether that's bad people, um, bad customers, uh, bad, um, you know, environment, whatever it may be, COVID, a pandemic hits, you bad know, de- bad decision. Once every pandemic, uh, you know, you're going to go through some bad stuff. Um, and there's always the opportunity to rise to the occasion and find some good out of that or, um, you know, pivot to something different or whatever it may be. And so uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about mm-hmm. uh, maybe how to do that, um, keeping some good attitudes uh, and, and plowing through, especially for the position of leadership. Because everybody has had a boss that they've had to work for at some point in time that wasn't super great, um, whether it was just they were a poor leader, they were a bad boss, they had incompetent, whatever it may be, um, you know, everybody has had that experience at some point. Some people um, experience that every day in their work environment, hint, hint, uh, you know, got a bad boss that you're I know, Mike, working your, your with. team terrible. must terrible. just be frustrated every day. <laughs> no, right. To, to work at Patrick. It's Kennedy. not, it's not me. It's you. It's, that's right. That's right. Um, so Matt, tell me who, who was the, uh, I don't want to say who, tell me a little bit about the worst boss you've ever had. My worst boss, uh, has, is a, a former, um, accounting partner, uh, accounting firm partner that I worked for. Um, it was just that they, uh, they didn't communicate real well their expectations and um they really didn't offer to help and so it was it always came back to the fact where you didn't know where you stood and you also didn't feel like you could raise your hand which has probably led a lot of my current my desires from my own leadership it's it's probably flipped my you know I want to make sure this is not something we do it was super frustrating to be in the dark um and also not i knew i didn't know something and i was afraid to ask because of the backlash i felt i would get if i did ask um and so it ended up being my own detriment i should have just asked in hindsight it didn't help me or hurt me it didn't help me to not ask um but i don't know if it would have been receptive or not but i didn't ever feel like it would have been receptive um coaches you know i had coaches growing up the coaches that I frustrated, I didn't really enjoy playing for were different. Um, I didn't necessarily need to be motivated through fear. I need to be motivated through, um, you know, um, I, I kind of need more of a pound the back than a kick in the ass. And so, um, if you did that though, I, I would perform. I think that that takes a coach to know or, or a leader to know how to coach each individual person a little bit differently. Not everybody follows the same rules. So that was kind of in my own hindsight. I didn't, I didn't love being, I had a couple coaches that were really hard, but didn't, they weren't great coaches because I didn't feel like they motivated our team. They just put us in play. We played in fear. That's not a good way to play games. So how about you? Were they effective? 
Um, As a coach? No, we were mediocre teams because of that. I think we could have been better if we were, we had a lot of talent that just was wasted. Yeah. I had a coach in, this was like probably eight years old basketball, uh, you know, a long time ago, and in a sport. That, like it wasn't competitive. It was just right. rec league basketball. But uh, he, he, you know, he thought he was Rick Pitino, who was, you know. Yelling at everybody. The, the big coach at the time. And would yell at everybody, make us run um, ladders all yeah. practice long. In your eight, uh, in your eight work years us old. to death. I didn't work on how dribbling. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. I mean, we were doing all that stuff too. Yeah. But you know, every practice, you you would everybody would line up, shoot free throws, and if you missed, the whole team would run ladders. And the next person up, if they missed, the team would run ladders. And not, you know, not full court, but um, that that's how that was his deal. It was he expected perfection a hundred percent of the time. And he was hard as a coach. Was it effective? We went undefeated every year I played with him. You know? <laughs> so, and so, like, at in the hindsight, time, you're like, oh, this guy's a jerk. Well, even at the time, it was like, it was hard, but I needed hard, I needed something hard to do because I don't mind it being was coached helpful. hard. That's not what I meant. It's, I don't need you to put me down to make me get motivated. I need you to pat me on the back to get me motivated. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like it was more. You know, it'd be degrading. Yeah. Um, and I was a punk kid at the time, so <laughs> you probably needed somebody to. Jump I probably needed somebody bit. to jump my ass a little bit more. Yeah, I thought. I mean, it was it was it was difficult um, to play for him because he was. I mean, he was a bit of a jerk, no doubt about it. Uh, but he had us playing super well. And in basketball, no. it's a you know it's a sport where you can have one or two good players and dominate people. And we had a couple of good players, and we dominated people. I mean, it wasn't even close. So if he wouldn't have coached you hard and just made sure those guys were we probably still <laughs> would have been undefeated. undefeated. <laughs> Maybe we'd have been undefeated with even better. He should have coached them hard. Uh, and let everybody else just chill out on hey, the bench. Just make sure you pass it to Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy's when you pass it, Jimmy, he shoots, he makes it. So yeah. that's a good start. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the actual probably worst boss I ever had. I, mean, I wrote down when you, when you were talking. I wrote down no feedback, no expectations, and no support. That um, that's a pretty bad trifecta. That's 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 characteristics of of the worst boss I've ever worked under. Uh, there were very, very little, if any, expectations ever set. It was just, go do your job. Well, I have an understanding of what I think my job is, but you've never told me if that if I'm on the right track or you know not on the right track. There's no real expectations or, or clear metrics to try to um, work towards, um, and that was always difficult. Uh, there were no feedback on if I was on the, the right path or, you know, not on the right path. Um, there, there wasn't in a, in the, the whole time I worked for him, which was multiple years. Um, we never had a formal or informal sit down, stand up, anything in between. How you doing? Hey, this is how I think you're doing, Mike. Never, not a single time. Um, and there wasn't any support. You know, if, if I needed help, it was, all right, go figure it out and, and make it happen. There wasn't any, hey, I need X, Y, Z done, or I need this done. Can you help me with that? Uh, it, it just it never happened. And it was frustrating to work under that, that person specifically. But in the theme of the conversation for today, uh, similar to that basketball coach that was just drive you super hard, there was a good that came out of that that had some discipline or, you know, drove, drove discipline into me. We, we obviously, we won a lot. That was fun. In the same way that that, that mm -hmm. particular boss that I had that um, wasn't super great at the same time, 
he was pretty successful uh, by all the industry metrics of, right. of you know, what people would look from the outside looking in. They would say he was successful. And because of that, I was able to ride some coattails and become a little bit more successful because of it. Um, or at least, you know, from the appearances, which I know yeah. ultimately don't really matter, but um, they ha- it had the appearance of success because of it. And uh, internally, it was like beating my head against the wall, <laughs> like what in the world's going on? But externally, it was, yeah, man, y'all, you guys are doing great. And it's like, ooh, it's, I always thought, you know, and this we were was great despite ourselves. It was, yeah, it was, you know, we look like we're doing really well, Yeah, but there's a lot of unhealthy leadership uh, that's, that, that's going on. And because of that, that main guy, that main person in his style, that filtered down to all of the people, all of his leaders below him. And then the leaders below that. And, uh, it was from my perspective, it was not a super healthy environment, but at the same time, there was some good that came out of that. And it took a while for me to change my mindset to, to, you know what? Um, regardless of what is happening, you know, level above, level above, I'm still responsible to do the best version of my job in the spot that I'm in. And uh, that, that wasn't always easy, but, um, you know, no feedback, no expectations, no support. Yeah. Makes it, when makes I think it of this, you know, a boss, but when I think of the topic of, you know, taking the good out of the bad, you know, this is my 23rd tax season. Um, you know, always during our busier times of the year after those. So after January this year, we did a, what we call a postmortem. How did year end go? We'll do the same thing after April, you know, after tax season, how did it go? What could we do better for next year? Um, as we've explored software that we have to throw away, how did our decision process go? What do we like about this software? So we want to make sure we find that in the next one or, Hey, did that's not what we wanted. The support wasn't what we wanted or the training wasn't wanted or whatever it was. So we make decisions at best we can with the information we're given at the time and then evaluate it during the process. And if we have to kill it, we have to kill it. And then hope we don't make that same decision again. Um, but I, I like the mindset of there is good in every bad. Every customer complaint that happens, it's enough time for you to prove what a great job you do of handling customer service problems. How do we not repeat that problem again? How do we make sure that we improve upon that the next time? You know, we try to make sure we get, if a client leaves us, we want to make sure we get feedback on why they're leaving us. What could we have done better so that we don't make that mistake again and see if it was something that we did that we could in theory fix. Um, had an interesting conversation with a client yesterday about this. Actually, we have a client we lost and it was simple as we, when we transitioned them from a, one manager to another manager, as one of our managers left, he he just didn't feel like he had been ever introduced to them. And so the first thing he got from us was a bill for some extra work that we had done for them, which was an appropriate bill. That's the first contact he had gotten from us since that other manager had left. That was just not the best way to handle things. And so it allows us to have the opportunity now to go, hey, when we transition clients, it's important that we do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at that as, those are opportunities for us to prove ourselves. Every time a client, if we mess up something on a client, it's the best opportunity we have to show who, what we're really about, you know, how we fix things the right way. You know, if we screw something up, we're going to own it, which is one of our values, but we're also going to fix it. Make it we're going to make it as right as we possibly can. So I think that's, 
you know, that's what this topic's about for me. It's the idea of being, there is good in every bad thing that happens, you know, there making can, a bad hire or whatever it is. Yeah, there can be good, but it requires an introspective view out of a place of humility to understand that whatever the bad thing that did happen, it did happen, and therefore we can either learn from that or and actually try to again. glean some some wisdom there, or we can dismiss it as, well, that was their fault, or that's not really a big deal, or that doesn't happen ever, you know, very often. And I think when you, because a lot of leaders, I think, take that position. It's, you know, that was a one-time thing, and who cares about it? Or, you know, that wasn't really our fault. There was a third party involved. You know, there, you could always be dismissive about something, some kind of complaint or something that happens in your business that didn't go as, as well as you uh, wanted it to. And I don't, I don't think that's very wise because you lose an opportunity to really get some understanding that's beyond just, hey, every, when everything is good, everything is good. Right. Um, and and it's, it's, it requires you to be super in-depth looking at things to find ways to improve. But when things go bad, you really get a picture of some of the holes in, in what's going on. Um, I, I use your, you know, we had this conversation a couple of years ago, actually, as we were evaluating our success in hiring. And, and this is something, this is our own humility here, I think, a little bit, in that we had not been super successful of bringing on the right people and keeping them mm-hmm. and developing them. And we saw a hole in our um recruiting processes and that we weren't necessarily we were kind of hiring too late or or having the process for hiring too late and it wasn't systematized enough for us to have a good evaluation for people over time um tell me a little bit about what went into that decision of turning that good into bad or bad into good yeah <laughs> took we, the good we and the turn, bad. we turn a lot of stuff we good try to, to bad. screw things up on we purpose. turn a lot of good to bad but more <laughs> bad to good is what we're talking about today yeah, yeah like like kind of what you you mentioned there um the process that we had wasn't necessarily broken per se because at that time and even somewhat today we hire you know maybe three to four people a year um you know not a not a ton of people in any in any given time Normal it's, year. it's about yeah. you know three or three or four people so not not a ton of people and so it was kind of viewed as, you know, we don't really need to have an engine running here. We'll just turn it on, turn it off whenever we need somebody. And um, that was, you know, that would be good enough and, and somewhat rightfully so because of the volume of hiring that we're doing. But what we found is it's not as easy to turn on and off that in a way that can be monitored consistently, routinely across the board. Um, and so we did. We had at that point in time, over a, I think it was a uh, two and a half year period is what I think, I, or maybe it was three years. We had about a 78% turnover rate. And it was, and we drill into those numbers and it was. Our core team didn't change. Was turning, o- all of our turnover, all of our, yeah, all of our turnover was people turning over. Within a year. Within a year. Or two, yeah. No, within a year. It was a hundred, it was a hundred percent within a year. And the majority of that was within like three months. It was a quick turn. And it wasn't, it's not because we're, you know, quick to fire people. That's not the reason why. Um, but, we'll, you know, going back we to, were making to figure out what it was, we were going back and hiring people that weren't great fits for our culture. And um, so in, in seeing that, what we did to, to help to, to fix that is we identified exactly where our breakdowns were. And it was mostly on 
the screening process to see is this would this person, regardless of competency, would they actually work well here from a character standpoint? Do they fit into our culture from a character standpoint? Are they a, is it a fun personality? Do they enjoy people? Um, do they you know have integrity, a high, high level of integrity? Um, those types of things. And so we put some systems in place to do a couple of things. One, we are always hiring, always. Um, we have job ads that are posted on a regular basis, monitored on a regular basis. And uh, we put in a process to screen people, applicants, uh, that's multi-step. So we're looking at, we have some built-in assessment type stuff that's uh-huh. trying to get to baseline competency. And if they get through that, they have a kind of a, um, a phone interview where we're Super interview today, just yeah. trying to disqualify weird people more than anything else. If, if that is, we're trying to see, are, would you be a fit here? Would we like to work with you? Not necessarily weird. Just are they, do they fit our culture brand? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's also a disqualifier yeah, of weird people. Yeah, they, they're competent. But I mean, like if you're a atypical dirty accountant, probably not an ideal fit. If you're yeah. not tech savvy, we're going to find that out in that, in that process. If you're, if you, yeah, if, if you, you don't know how to turn on zoom, yeah. if you, you know, show up with, you know, uh, L- late, show up late yeah. or you're not organized or you don't ask any questions. You, you don't find anything about us. Talk. You, right. you, know, you can't communicate well. Uh, all of those things are, are, yeah. are going to sh- um, show its head really early on. And yeah. so, um, that helped out a lot. And then from there, we, you know, we have a, a group interview round and, and then kind of find I liked interviews. about it, it created consistency. So we have consistent questions at the first level. Mm-hmm. We have consistent people handling multiple interview steps. We actually did 111 people last year, but it was, you know, we actually grew. That was a lot of that growth. Yeah. And we had a couple of people that turned over. Um, and so part of that is just part of the process. But um, what I've appreciated about it from the, the bad was, hey, this is a problem. But here's where we're trying to fix it. And here's how we're going to try to fix it. And then we've done the same thing with software evaluations. Mm-hmm. And um, we've done that same thing with client acceptance. We've done that same thing with client transition. We've done the same thing with a client service problem. Um, we've done that with client education. Um, all those different things. Training. Well, you know, that training was not as good as it could have been. Let's work on this for next time. So I, I think every time something doesn't go as well as it should or you want it to go, it's in a bad time for you to evaluate and figure out the why. Why did it not go as well as you wanted it to? How come you didn't handle it the way you wanted to? Was it a training problem with your people? Was it a process problem? Was it a technology problem? What went what, what, what into it? And I think those are all important factors for you to realize. And I think it's important as owners and leadership to look at those as evaluation tools. You know, if you see a problem of, hey, our, our retention of clients is not where I want it to be, or our sales process isn't happening the way you want it to happen. You know, if those things are happening or something happened bad in your organization, let's say you had a customer failure where you you, you dropped the ball, it's time to do a postmortem. What happened there? You know, I guess it's like after a crap plane crash, they want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. I think the yeah. same kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's important also to bring those whys back to me. As a leader, it's important to understand that failure is going to be ultimately uh, something that has to be owned by the leadership team. Um, and so if it is, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a fast food restaurant and my, uh, you know, drive through person forgets to put napkins in a bag and the customer complains about it, I can easily say, well, dang it, Becky, like you always screw up and you always forget napkins in the bag or whatever it may be. But the reality is I need to bring that because everything rises and falls on leadership, right? So 
I need to bring that back to what did I not do for Becky that has caused that to happen? I'm not saying that from the standpoint of, well, sometimes Becky just forgot to put a napkin in a bag. But from my perspective as a leader, how can I impact that solution? Um, do I need, and I need to think about that. Do I need to reiterate to Becky, all right, remember, here's our steps. We're going to go from one, two, three, four out the door. And remember, three is napkin. Mm -hmm. If you skip that, whatever. I need to reiterate that. I need to train yeah. my team. If we just simply always go back to, well, Becky forgot to put napkins in the bag and that's it, then there's, you're going to find there's, there's going to be a gradual downhill mm -hmm. decline because there's yep. no ownership of the problem from leaders to actually find solutions uh, and, and bring that back to the team. It's easy as a leader to let those issues fall on the team and dismiss them as one-offs or just accidents or, um, you know, it's not going to happen again. But until you actually take the ownership to say, well, this is how I impact that solution, you're going you're gonna to fall short of actually getting things fixed. What is the process you'd say to do that? So when is the, so after we've done this, we've evaluated, we find out, you know, there is an issue. Now, what, you know, there are circumstances that are out of our control. Sure. But how do you evaluate that and make sure, like, I'll use the example of our, our, of our mistake is client transition. What, you know, what do we have to have a process when a client transitions? Do you figure out what we, how we, how does that process need to work? Yeah. And in my world, because everything that we do is process driven, a systematized way to do just about everything that we do, um, that's what I'm going to start to look at first and foremost. So uh, in that, in that situation, so we have a, a client that moved from manager A to manager B. What is the process that needs to be in place to make sure the checklist of items that occur that uh, needs to occur in order to make that transition as effective as possible? Um, and so that would typically generate, we need a system in place to actually track, are those checklist items getting done so that this doesn't occur again? And then the, it, when, once that happens, there's oversight into the process because now we have, let's pretend like we have a project tracker that says, all right, this project now generated a workflow that says manager B needs to do X, Y, Z because they have a new client. Now people have insight into, did manager B actually do those items? That's where my brain first and foremost goes because mm -hmm. ultimately there are a lot of things that are out of our control, but we can control a lot more than we sometimes give right. ourselves I mean, credit Right, we for. can make it easy for that person to transition, right? For our client yeah. and for our manager to transition it. Yeah. Do we have a templated email you could have sent out? Could you have have a pre-recorded video? Could you have a phone call script that's ready to go? Could you have um, a care package sent to the client? Hey, look, I'm a new manager. Here's a little bit about me. I want to say thank you. Sorry, I'm looking forward to working with you. Here's a you know box candy or something. All those things could have been pre-arranged and pre-packaged and ready to go. That client would have felt like, hey, these guys really care about transition. They understand yeah. this. That's all it would have taken. And that's part of it. And it, and it probably that would set save up, that's us. normal process. That's, that's how we would have done it. Correct. Yeah. And that would have been something we could have had it easily managed. Yeah. Yeah. So mistake a, on our that's part. That's a good idea. Yeah. We, we should, should, hey, we should record do that. This. Becky, write that down. Hey, write that down. <laughs> yeah, write that down. No. Email. I mean, round call. Yeah. I mean, it's reality of it. It would have been, we probably could have salvaged that client. Yeah. And we still will. We're going to, we're going to get them back. But it's going to take a little different effort, yeah. a little more one-off process this time. Yeah. The, um, the, the process there, that, that's, like I said, that's what I always want to go back to. 
is whenever those bad things happen, what was the breakdown in process that allowed that bad thing to happen? Which is, you know, in, in our world, probably a lot of our listeners don't, you know, they think, hey, we're, we're an accounting firm or a payroll company, um, which is a professional services yeah. company. And so because of that, it's, there's a lot of one-off stuff that happens. That's not, like, we're more like McDonald's than anything else. Right. We want to, There is a in way theory, in which things, in theory. For, like not probably McDonald's, we're more like a Chick-fil-A. Than yeah, yeah. I want to be like a Chick-fil-A. Come on, man. Um, from the standpoint of everything that we do has a way to do it, and there is a clear process to follow in order to do it, and it's a factory that's cranking out a widget. Our widget just happens to be accounting services. Um, it's not a bunch of one-off stuff. And so that's the why I say for us, and if you're, you know, if you're a restaurant environment, same type of, same type of thing. I, the thing came you have to have a way to, have a landscaper, right? They have a schedule that they're going to follow. They miss a cut because of the weather. They have to wait. To, they didn't even have a way to communicate that, right? So that's that's if they drop the ball, then cut somebody's yard that week. Yeah. They have to have a process by which they're going to think. Hmm, how can we miss that one? How do we not do that again? Because they're going to get ticked off. Or if it's a rain day, how do they communicate it's a rain day and they're going to have to reschedule you for Saturday or whatever they're going to do? All those things, those processes are super important. So when you, uh, if you have a you know a failure in your, let's say you bought a piece of equipment and that equipment is was a bad purchase. Um, let's say you're a dentist office and you bought this new thing and you thought it was going to, you know, at some point you have to decide whether that was good or bad. But once you've done that, let's say it was deciding it was a, per- a bad purchase. Okay. Why was it a bad purchase? What did we decide? What made us go into the decision of doing this? What did we not do right this time to implement that piece of equipment the right way so that the next time we don't do that again? Yeah. And when you do realize that you have made a mistake or something has gone wrong, don't be afraid. Don't to. be afraid to go above and beyond to fix it. Don't just acknowledge the mistake, but and fix the mistake, but go above and beyond. So I, I think of a couple of examples of that that I was really kind of blown away by. Um, it's all it's all food related. Um, my wife and I we went. This was a while back. We went to Fleming's uh, Steakhouse, and she ordered a steak that came out like pretty badly overcooked. Yeah, uh, which is not normal for them at all. Yeah. Um, and so normally that's not a big deal. You know, we just kind of get through it and it, it's fine. But this one was like, it was, yeah, you it was, burnt my steak. Yeah, it was way bad. <laughs> and so we just, Hey, you know, it's, it's a little bit overcooked. Um, can we do something different? And they handled it super great. They, they took it, you know, they, they cooked a new steak, brought it out, which was perfectly done. And that would have been enough. That would have been enough, but that wasn't enough for them. Right. So instead they comped the steak which I would have never yeah. expected them to do. Yeah. And they brought a box of chocolates that said, hey, you know what? We really are sorry. We dropped the ball. Yeah. And that's not who we are. That's not what we expect. And so here is even above and beyond. Yeah. Here's a box of chocolates to take with you. Yeah. Um, that was more than I would have ever expected right. that to happen, which was great. And a- another example, um, Pizza Hut. Uh, once we ordered a pizza, this was a long time ago, but it sticks, it sticks with me. Yeah. We ordered a pizza that was um, delivery. And they were, I mean, they were like 40 minutes. I mean, it wasn't super yeah. long. Uh, I didn't think anything about it. Um, and about two days le- later, I got an email from the owner of that little local Pizza Hut shop. And they said, hey, you know what? We were looking over everything and we noticed that it took us 40 minutes, whatever the time was, to get your pizza to you. That was over what we expected. We expected it to be within whatever. And, uh, and so to, to, to make that right, because we failed our expectations, not right. your expectation, but our expectation, we're going to give you a free pizza. And I didn't even realize it was anything late. was It, it was late. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I've had the same thing happen at Chick-fil-A. You know, yeah. um, food is probably the easier one to give examples of that in. But I always felt like whenever somebody acknowledged that they made a mistake, even if I didn't realize it was a mistake, and they said, here's how we're going to fix it, and we're going to go above and beyond to fix it, that buys chips yep. that, you know, getting everything perfect 100% of the time can't ever buy. Right. I agree. I mean, and, and as I look at, like I said, when we drop the ball on something and we mess up, we're, we're human, we do mess up. When we do, it is the best opportunity for them to know how we truly care. So we had an issue a couple of years ago. It's been a while now where the direct deposit wasn't going through. And we went around town depositing checks in people's bank accounts. Um, we didn't, you know, it was not a fault of ours. The software was down, but it wasn't not okay for them not to get paid. Yeah. And so I, I like that mindset of, okay, when stuff's not going the way you want it to be, what are you going to do so it doesn't happen again? And then how do you fix it and make it super right? Yeah. And for us, that's part of our culture. You know, we talked about our values last week, and one of which was own it. Um, and our team so buys into that, that whenever a situation like that pops up and it's, hey, guys, you know what? Today's going to suck because software's down or, you know, whatever it is. Today's going to really suck. Everybody sees that as an opportunity to rise to the occasion. Yep. And all right, it's going to suck, but we're going we're gonna to make it the best version of today as we possibly can. The, the, the last one I, I kind of think of in this situation, too, is, okay, so obviously every, all, a lot of our restaurant clients have been hurt really bad through COVID this year. But it's allowed us an, a, cool, a couple of really cool opportunities to do something differently than we normally have. Number one, we had to embrace the third-party deliveries. That was really a big deal of understanding how we're really going to manage our third-party delivery process. Also, how do we really, how do we better manage our to-go business? How do we better manage our curbside business? How do we better manage, um, you know, our communication with our team? So I'm assuming you had to improve your team culture tremendously of explaining to them when they're, why they're still going to be employed there because you're slower than normal. How you're going to communicate to them is super, um, it's a hard thing to do. And, and, but it allowed you an opportunity to show them that, you're you're in this for the long haul with them and that you're here to help them. We've had a lot of clients that have done a great job of communicating to their employees, making sure they're taken care of, even when they if they were out of work, they they let they laid them off. They still provide them meals or or found them, you know, help during the times, uh, make sure their unemployment claims were easily handled. All those things um go a long way. You know, so even in the worst of times, you know, I'm assuming a lot of these businesses are gonna pivot. I mean, I look at like I'll use Chick-fil-A again. If Chick-fil-A ever opens up their dining room again, I'd, it would be stupid because <laughs> their curbside business it. is killing it. Um, and a lot of their businesses are. You know, you look at a lot of our clients are the same way. Their curbside, their curbside business has saved them and their to-go business. And they, they pushed catering. They pushed, okay, you can't do a normal catering event. But we can do a box meal or we can do family meals. We can go get a food truck and get to your neighborhood. A lot of these people have been creative. And that's really what I think is, you know, the, the point of this is, hey, this has allowed us to, to pivot in a way we never thought was possible. And now look what we may be able to do once we get back to normal. I now have a different stream of revenue to get. Yeah. Coming out of a pandemic, it really showed the ingenuity of business owners and leaders to be able to make things happen in their company. I, you know, my piece of advice is if, if you're a leader and when bad things happen, your first reaction is to whine and complain and throw a fit. Nobody likes working for you. Nope. Nobody likes working for you. And um, you're not going to 
be able to move through things as nimbly as you need to um, if that's your default attitude. You've got to find a way to change the that. The optimistic side of me, I, I would say, you know, is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing sometimes. However, when I'm thinking about this from a business owner standpoint, you know, when stuff's bad's happening, it's your best opportunity to show your leadership colors. Mm-hmm. It's your job as the leader to be the leader. It's your job to decide, you know what? I think we're going to figure out a different way to do things that we've normally done in order to succeed through this. Um, and be it either, you know, a turnover problem. Okay, great. We're going to fix that. Or it's going to be, you know, we're bringing in the wrong type of customers. We need to fix that. Or we're a restaurant and COVID's going on. Okay, great. What can we do to pivot? There was some creative stuff done this year. And it was awesome to see what people have really done. But it's your job as a leader to lead. And that's part of the job, you know, that you signed up for. When you decide to have a business, you're the leader. Yeah. And and you got to be able to, you're going to do that either way. You're going to lead one way you're or the other. Poorly it's going to be or good. good or bad. Yep. Uh, and and if, you're, if your leadership qualities aren't super great, it's really going to show during times of crisis or when things are bad, however you want to call it. I think it was Warren Buffett that said, uh, I could, I'm going to butcher this. I think it was Warren Buffett said, whenever, when the tide goes out, you could see who's skinny dipping. <laughs> uh, and that's what, from a leadership, that's what yeah. I think about. It's whenever things get bad, when, when, when it's crunch time, your colors start to show on whether or not you're going to be a quality leader or you're going to be a leader that's just really disruptive uh, yeah. to what's going on. Um, and I would, and if, if you know, if you recognize, if you're out there listening, you recognize that you don't have the leadership skills, um, or if your first, you know, hot-headed, quick reaction is always negative, um, I would encourage you to find some support people around you, whether that's, uh, you know, an executive group or whatever it may be, that has the influence to call you out on that crap and say, look, this isn't going to be okay, and, and coach you through how to, how to better respond to those situations. Um, because Ultimately, uh, this this worldwide pandemic seems to be continuing on a little bit. Yeah, and even if it wasn't, there's still going to be things pop up. There's another turmoil. Yeah, something's going to happen. You're going to have a supplier to break down. You're going to have a an employee do something silly or a customer doing something silly, and you have to react to it. It's your job as the owner to react the right way and 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 handle the responsibility. Um, I have been given. You know, my leadership team does a good job of holding me accountable. I think over time, it's you know. I tendency have a tendency to talk out loud. I have a tendency to maybe react hot-headedly. And so it's important for me to not immediately react all the time and slow down a little bit. And I think that's really helped me have that mindset. Okay, my first reaction doesn't have to be the reaction. Um, tell me what I'm talking out loud versus, hey, we're not making a change here also is important. But all those things go into be a leader. Yeah, be it's your job to lead. Be a good leader. Yeah, be a good leader. <laughs> it's not it's not as easy as it, you know. It's not hey, just hit the ball. You yep. know, it's uh, it it takes practice. It takes skill. It, you know, it's it's a learned behavior, uh, and it's something that everybody can improve on. Great. So, well, uh, Matt, appreciate you having the conversation with me today. We got a question in from last week that we need to answer. So, um, if if you guys are kind of new to the podcast, what we do is every, uh, every week we end our podcast with the question that comes in from you guys from the, uh, what we talked about the previous week. And uh, so last week we talked about our core values. Uh, we have five core values. 
And we hit on this a little bit, um, but just to kind of expand on a little bit uh, further, the question that came in was, um, you know, when, when you're trying to assess your core values or establish your core values, is there like a given a number that you're trying to get to? Um, is there essentially, is there, you know, what's, what's the right amount of core values that a company should have? Is there too much? What's the, what's the right number? The right number is probably the number that you feel like you need to cover all the values you need to have. <laughs> but um, I, my guess would be in the three to 10 range would make a lot of sense. Probably more than that doesn't make much sense and less than three probably doesn't make much sense. Yeah. It, you, know, the, you need to have as many as you need to have. Correct. Um, but if you look up and you have 80 core values, you probably have the same core value written five times in different words. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, like, some things aren't core values. They're inherent values that everybody needs to have. You know, integrity is not one of our core values. Yeah, notice that don't lie. Don't lie, is not, yeah. Don't is kill not a anybody. core value. Yeah. Uh, those you know, are... Integrity is not one of our core values because it is in all of our other ones. Yeah. Yeah. All of our other ones have integrity yeah. built in. This is, so for us, well, this is one of the things... Be excellent was one of our core values for the longest time. And this is the one that changed. It was, we realized out of doing all of these other things, this was with the help of Mike Sink. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he said, hey guys, you notice that if you do all of these other things that you're talking about, you'll be excellent. You're going to be excellent. And it's like, and we, we I, beat that up a little bit. And eventually we took be excellent out of our core Correct. values. And I think we replaced it with passion for purpose. That is what uh -huh. I think. That, yep. Either that or empathy for others. One of those two. Yeah, one of those two. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it, and we realized that, yeah, we were saying the same thing redundantly. Correct. And there's no reason. I mean, like, the point of the values is just to have a core, a, a, a vision of where you're heading. It's a guiding light. Guiding light. That's easy to remember for your team that is all-encompassing enough for them to know how to behave with when there's a lack of, of expectation or clarification on how to behave. Um, I know, you know, um, I think it was the Ramsey group. They have like 27 or something like that. A bunch of them. They have a ton of them. I, I'm assuming they know what they all, a lot of them know what they all are, but they may not. Yeah. And to me, that seems like a lot. Right. That seems but, like a whole lot. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know. But, she, I mean, they yeah, were they were named the nation's number one place to work. Yeah. So they're doing something right, I guess. Ago, yeah. Those guys are doing okay, I guess. They'll figure it out. Yeah. They've only, uh, they've only quadrupled in size in the last three years. It's <laughs> for, fine. But for us, five is, is the right number right now. Yeah. But, like we said last week. If we feel like that ever needs to change, we're not going like to be an, afraid to like change it. It's like an amendment to the Constitution. That's right. right. Two-thirds vote. Yeah. Yeah, good luck with, with a that. With a veto. With a veto power. Yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. Today. So I, I would agree with you. I think 10 is getting on up there. Um, the I would encourage you, if you have like 15, 20, 30 core values, to really take a hard look at them and see you know which of these is actually mission-critical core value. Um, and if ask yourself why that's important and, and boil that down a, a little bit. Um, you know, it's like reduce the, the, the stock on the soup, yep. let it boil a little bit. And then uh, don't ever take your first go at your core values yep. and start printing them because they're, yeah. they need to, they Put need them in to pencil stew. at first Yeah, with a couple of erasers. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thanks guys for joining us today. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, um, thank you for, for watching us. Uh, we would love to hear your comments. If, you know, we talked about taking the good from the bad today, we would love for, uh, for you guys to, uh, to reach out, send us a comment, send us an email, one step better at patrickaccounting.com. You can find us on all the social media channels. They're all right listed right there. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, give us a comment, give us a rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, 
like this question here, if we use your question on the air or in our podcast, we're going to send you some uh, Patrick Accounting and Works swag, um, which is always going to be fun to receive. So thanks, everybody. Have a lovely afternoon, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.